Today we're looking at our spiritual life and continuing to look at five areas to focus on for consistent progress. Today we consider the mental component of our spiritual life. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. The spiritual battles we face are very real. The battles of the future will require you to be growing and trusting God even more than you do today. So there are a lot of things that we can learn that will change our thought life that can help us to face the spiritual giants in our life. It's never too late to change, and yes, you can teach an old dog new tricks. So today we're looking at our spiritual life again, and we have divided it into five key areas to help us consider how we're made and where we should apply effort and energy for change. So let's review real quick the five areas we're looking at. The first one is the spiritual life, and I know we're looking overall at the larger uh, picture of our spiritual life, but in this context, the spiritual life is those very intentional spiritual basics, the things of spiritual community, prayer, or Bible knowledge, our life in communion with God. So we looked at this as being three areas, doctrine, our affection, our love, and our experience. Then we looked last time at our physical life, so our exercise habits, the physical um, health and ability. It includes exercise and diet and all those kind of things. So that's kind of what we looked at last time. We will look at our relational life. You know, we're interconnected beings. We need each other. We have this network of relationships that are so important to us. We need people. It, It comes down to that. Mentors, coworkers, friends. So we'll spend some time looking at that coming up. Our emotional life. Uh, this is really, really important, particularly it seems like in the world today, almost everyone seems to have been uh, diagnosed with some kind of mental illness. And I suppose if you look at all of our quirks, everybody probably can be defined or described as having some kind of mental illness because none of us are like we should be. And ultimately, we're all sick physically, emotionally, spiritually. So there definitely is a truth to that idea that we all have some kind of um, mental illness, and it often expresses itself in our emotional control, our lack of control. So um, our emotional regulation is part of our emotional life. Gratitude, empathy, kindness, these are emotional skills that will help us relate to others. A big part of that whole idea of our emotional life is we should not allow our feelings to dictate our life. They don't lead us, but they do impact us. We want to understand that. And then the one we're looking at today is closely related. Think about this idea of our mental health. We're looking at our mental life. And I'm kind of, I know in general, we, we tend to lump these two together and I'm kind of artificially separating them. Mental life definitely includes that emotional part, our psychology, but also social aspects. So really the mental is how we think, feel, and act. Um, and it includes our education and all of those kind of things. So we're going to look at this a little bit today. So the mental aspect, uh, one of the reasons I, I originally looked at this mental aspect of our spiritual life is because there, we think about spiritual growth and we think about physical growth where we need to exercise and all those kind of things. But there's actually a need for mental growth. 
we should be learning and growing. The, the Christian life is an incredible challenge, and it's meant to be, I believe, an adventure. It should be something that uh, really requires our best. So we should desire to, to learn and to grow in our, our knowledge, our understanding, our ability Physically, yes. Spiritually, yes. But also mentally. I think the task in front of us really requires us to commit everything that we are and everything that we have to the task. Part of this, and something that I have talked a lot about with our summer teams, with interns, with people I'm trying to disciple, is that as Christians, you are naturally meant to be a leader. I think that's built into this idea and definition of a disciple maker. And it's not that you're leading people to follow you wherever you want to go, but you're helping guide people toward Christ. You're helping people connect with His direction. And as we do that, that is a kind of leadership. It may be primarily expressed as an influence that you have, but it's definitely important And we want to be intentional about that. And that's something that in all of our summer teams, we have encouraged and really tried to motivate people to consider how your life has influence and how the choices you make really do impact other people. The church really is filled with people who need and in many cases want direction. There are people who who are in the church who don't want direction, but we still all need direction. Every single one of us needs direction. And ideally, we get that from the lead shepherd, the head shepherd from Christ. But he often leads us through his under shepherds. So we, our church is full of lost sheep looking for direction. And leadership is definitely part of this mental growth. It's an area where we can all improve in our ability to use our influence well and wisely. It's partly through the study of God's Word. When you examine the leaders in the Bible, you often see men like Moses who was held up and said that he was one of the most humble men that ever lived. So he wasn't seeking leadership for his own glory, for his own purposes. He actually resisted leadership, but God chose him anyway. And God supported him as a leader. And then you have men like Jethro, who, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, who came alongside Moses and said, well, hey, you're not doing well. <laughs> you're the leader. Be wise in how you lead. You can learn to lead better. So when we examine the Bible, we see many people, many men who were leaders, and they give us an example of what it means to lead well in different contexts. I love the book of Nehemiah. For that reason, Nehemiah gives us a good picture of a good leader in a certain context. And he was much more in the political arena than the spiritual arena, but he definitely understood that spiritual part too. And you team him with Ezra, and you see that these two men were leading in a slightly different context, a slightly different area of authority of of leadership, but they were working together together to glorify God and accomplish His purposes in and through them. So this idea of spiritual leadership, I think, is really, really important. Well, as we consider who we are and how God has prepared us and the things that God is inviting us to do, one thing that we want to understand is that God does have opportunities 
for you to grow as a leader, to grow even in areas that might not be obvious that they're leadership, but to grow in your ability to relate to other people well. Even basic things like learning to to give a devotional. I, I honestly believe every every Christian, every believer, every follower of Christ should be able to give a devotional to a small group of people, to another. You might not feel comfortable doing that in front of a church of a thousand people, but you certainly should be able to sit around a kitchen table and share a devotional, share something that you have learned from God's Word that you are applying and share it in a way that others can understand it and they're encouraged by it. And you can do that better with a little study, with a little help. And this is really a mental area. It, it is spiritual. It, it helps if you're growing and you're learning too. But you can learn skills. You can mentally learn uh, techniques and tips that will help you organize better, that will help you uh, give a devotional a little better, that will help you even when you're nervous. How do you deal with nerves? So those are things that you can learn. So there's a mental aspect to our spiritual life. And I think it's important for us to always recognize that and be seeking to be healthy mentally, which puts us in a place to grow, to learn, uh, to desire to gain some of those skills. So practical ministry training is an intellectual pursuit. And I think that's important. That's a mental activity. Even things like leading a meeting. If you're part of a church, at some point in time, you may be asked to be the leader of a meeting. You know, we're all been, have been in meetings where the person leading had no idea how to do it, and it was done terribly. Still, God uses those, and things are accomplished, but how much better it goes when the person in charge has some idea of how to lead a meeting, how to organize it, how to present materials so that things go smoothly and so that uh, there's not uh, arguments and so that people have opportunities to to process and think through things. So those are skills. Those are things we can learn. Planning strategies for ministry, whether it's for a local church or planning even strategies for raising your family, for the husband and wife. You can learn things that help you. So I really, I am convinced fully that there are things that we can learn, that we can apply our, our logic, our mental aspect of our life to our spiritual life and do it better. Now, that's not the most important but like our physical, we looked at last time, the physical is not the most important, but it definitely does have an impact. It has some influence. In the same way, we want to apply some effort to the things we learn. It's good to challenge ourselves, I suppose, would be one way to think about it. We challenge ourselves physically, particularly when you're younger. We tend to challenge ourselves physically. We want to see what we're capable of. Yeah, what we're capable of, what we can do. But as we get older, we often stop doing that. But we should never stop challenging ourselves in our thinking. One of the dangers that we face as a church, and I mean as the universal church, but also as local churches, is that we, we become stagnant. We often allow tradition to rule us when we should be evaluating the tradition and say, Often the traditions are good, and we want to maintain them, but sometimes maybe tweak them because our purpose has changed slightly or our culture has changed slightly. So the, the tradition's still good, but we need to tweak it so that it still accomplishes the pur- purpose that it was intended to accomplish. Well, it applies some mental effort there. And I think as we continue to evaluate, as we continue to grow, we keep our mental life 
healthy and flexible. So we're going to go through just a few tips that hopefully will help us maintain a healthy uh, mindset, a helpful, a healthy mental uh, activity. And a lot of these, we're not going to go into the detail today over maybe how to study or how to do some of these things that, that we might talk about. But this is more general. In general, you want to be healthy mentally, and there's things you can do to, to maintain health. And one thing that you'll notice, there is a lot of overlap with our mental health and our other areas that we look at. So when we consider our overall spiritual life, our life in spiritual community, our Bible knowledge, well, there's an overlap with our, our intellect, with our mo- mental life. You know, we, we can apply our intellect to our Bible study and we can study our Bible better. When we have questions, we can look them up in a logical way. We can use tools. And certainly the Holy Spirit guides us and helps us to understand God's Word. But when we compl- uh, combine our intentional effort there mentally, I think we do better. Our physical life, we talked about last time, affects our thinking a lot. You know, if you're not healthy, then often we struggle to think clearly. If we're struggling with our, relo- with our relationships, with our relational life, well, then that affects our spiritual life. It affects you physically. It affects you mentally. And it often comes out in our emotions. So all of these are interconnected in ways that are sometimes clear and other times it seems kind of random. Why would this affect that? But it does. So it's important for us to try to be healthy in all areas. We're not divided beings. We are unified and all areas of life impact all the other areas. That's just a truth that we want to understand. So to start with, let's go ahead and look at one that is really from another area. We think about our mental life, but our emotions often are go hand in hand with our ability to think clearly. So we want to, to learn to understand and manage our emotions. It helps us to think clearly if we can understand why we feel certain emotions. Um, if you're angry, you're probably not going to think clearly. So to understand uh, how to uh, control your anger to some degree. Uh, understand when there's a time for righteous anger and when there's a time when your pride has been hurt <laughs> to learn to understand and manage that. It helps often if we can name the emotion we feel. And here's where the intellect comes in. The more we can learn about ourselves as an emotional being, we, we gain emotional intelligence. We can identify the root cause possibly of that emotion. It helps us to dissipate that emotion's ability to control us and, tr- and to really negatively impact our thinking. A lot of people find that journaling helps. If you journal what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what's going on in your life, often you'll see connections. And sometimes those connections can help you make changes that help you. So be aware that you can learn about your emotions. We're going to talk more about this in its own category because it is a huge one. But as part of our, our mental life, our thought life, we do want to learn to recognize and manage our emotions to the degree that we can. So don't let your emotions control your thoughts. You learn to use your thoughts to direct your emotions. Another, another one that comes straight out of one of our other areas, we have our relational life, and it greatly impacts our ability to, to think clearly. So we want to stay connected to others. And ideally, you have people you can sit down with and talk through the things that are going on in your life. 
when you're healthy relationally, it does help your thought life. It helps your, your mental health because you're able to work through things. A part of that, it allows you to learn from your mistakes as you process that with someone else, but you also learn from someone else's mistakes and they learn from yours. Just because you haven't gone through something doesn't mean that you can't learn about it from someone who has. So being really connected with others and developing those relationships helps us to strengthen our own um, mental life. Our mental health is better when we're in those relationships. We strengthen those relationships and often those relationships act kind of as a buffer with our emotions and they help to calm us down, particularly when you have a friend that loves you enough and that you trust enough that they're able to say, hey, you're, you're overreacting. You're allowing, you're allowing your emotions to get away with you in this instance. Uh, that can help steady you somewhat. So it's important that we have those healthy relationships. And again, that's one we'll come back to, but they greatly impact our thought life. They help us to work through our thoughts. Sometimes a friend just needs to listen. And when we talk through those things out loud, uh, it doesn't sound the same out loud for some reason as it does when we said it in our head. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I certainly have. It sounded, in my head, it certainly sounded reasonable. But the first time I said it to a person, I go, okay, wait, that didn't sound quite like I thought about it. And that helps me to change and to change how I think about um, some of those things. Some of the things that are important for us to recognize is that our, our thought life is greatly impacted by things like sleep. Uh, you can get too little sleep and it's going to be hard for you really to think clearly. Uh, you can push yourself to extremes in any area. But sleep is one of those, it's easy to miss a night's sleep and feel like oh, I can still do it or I can just cut an hour off here and there and manage to get a little more done. But that catches up with you. It's important that we do get enough sleep so that we can think clearly. Something very similar to that is exercise. And this is, we looked at last time, our physical life and our, our physical health. Exercise helps reduce stress. It helps improve our sleep, we're just talking about. It gets our blood moving and, and really can make us sharper mentally. It's great for, for problem solving. You know, you get your, your blood flowing, you're thinking clearly, you get enough exercise, and often problems that you just couldn't sit down and, and worry through and figure out, uh, it seems like the solution just comes to you. And I think it's, you're a little sharper, you're, you've exercised, your blood's flowing, it's helpful you're healthier and you think clearer. So it's important to recognize that some things that help us are not, it's not rocket science. You know, it's the things that science tells us, the world understands. It's, it's truths that are true because of the way God has made us. So getting enough sleep and exercise are two of those things. Right along with those is eat healthy. The, the things that you eat, greatly impact, influence your mood, your ability to think clearly, uh, your tiredness, irritability, all those things. So some people are more sensitive than others to things like caffeine. If you're really sensitive to caffeine, you may find that, you know, half a cup is perfect and you, you know, get your day started, but a full cup and you're a little bit irritable, that you have uh, two cups and, and you have a crash and then you're, you're going to be overtired and you kind of, you feel even worse. <laughs> it's the same way with 
foods that we eat. There are things that you can eat that will impact how you feel. Eating too much, uh, eating too little. You know, some people are overly concerned about their appearance, about their weight, so they eat so little that they're they're just grumpy, <laughs> not happy. So we want to eat healthy, eat sufficient, not too much. Understand that we are good stewards. It's something we looked at last time with our stewardship of our our physical health. So, but it also affects our thought life, our ability to think clearly. Now, the next one is maybe a little more directly related. Plan things to do that are positive and move, move you forward. So you have a huge mental aspect of your life. Be intentional about using your, your IQ, your mental um, ability, your intelligence, your logic. Plan things that are positive and move you forward. And this is projects. This is uh, seeking out time with friends and family that you know are encouraging to you that help you. Try to do things that, will help, that you know will help you grow spiritually, whether it's spiritual disciplines or a time with spiritual community, all those kind of things. There is great value in being intentional in your, your thought life and in what you're planning to do. And often those things that are part of your planning, part of moving you forward, they give you things to, to look forward to. Often the struggles of today seem to overwhelm us. They seem almost just too big. But when we think past them, it, it helps us to recognize that this trial, this struggle is temporary. So what can I do that's going to move me forward that's beyond this? And it can help us to kind of guide our thinking. And very similar to this idea of not allowing our, our thinking to be stuck in today in the trial of today, make sure you spend time praying about who you are and who you're supposed to be. Allow your prayers and your thoughts to mingle together. You know, sometimes we separate out, okay, now I'm clearly thinking, now I'm clearly praying. Allow your prayer to be an ongoing conversation with God. Verses Thessalonians 5.18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And part of the way I kind of visualize that myself and try to practice that is my thought life is part of my ongoing prayer with God. I want to be talking to God throughout the day as I'm doing things, as I'm uh, trying to figure out what to do. And part of that, it goes on in verse 18, it says, and in everything, give thanks. Okay, well, that's one of the things that's going to help us because you don't accidentally give thanks. This is a uh, something that takes intellect. It takes an act of your will to do. And this is the verse says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But give thanks, and it's out of your will, out of your intellect. It's your decision to give thanks. It's not because uh, you're, everything's awesome and wonderful. You often have to look for those things, those reasons to give thanks. So keep your eyes on Jesus in the midst of a trial, because he's always there to give thanks for. <laughs> your trial may be here. You may have physical uh, pain. You may have financial pain. You may have trouble in relationships. But in the midst of all those, over and above all those, if you know Jesus, you have forgiveness and you have hope. And that hope is reason for thankfulness. And it lifts your eyes above the, the problem that's right in front of you. So be thankful and learn to express gratitude daily as a natural response to God's mercies. 
Psalm 11824 is an awesome one. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, you can choose joy. And that's really a lot of what our mental life is. It's the choices that we make. So be a lifelong learner. And that's really ultimately kind of what we're talking about. You're, you're choosing to give your thoughts direction over your life. Learn to ask questions. You know, when you meet new people, be curious. Uh, one idea just to use your intellect is to a- explore the Bible as a traveler to another country. Look for the differences in the biblical culture and your culture and ask why. Why do people do things the way they did? Why does it say this and not that? Uh, and then apply some research skills to that. Do a deeper Bible study. Look for practical applications. The how-to is a great place to research. How have people traditionally lived out these truths? Uh, Explore that. Talk to other people about that. Get involved mentally. Ask good questions. I think as you do that, you're engaging your mind, you're engaging your heart, and you find that a lot of your mental struggles, you don't have the mental energy to spend on them because you're, you're giving your mind good things to think about, good things to pursue. One of the things you can do is make a list of potential skills that will be useful to you or that you'd like to know. Pick one and begin learning the new skill, uh, whether it's the ability to lead a Bible study or a new Bible study method or to learn to sing or to learn some other uh, way of service or to learn to ride a unicycle. You know, that's one of the things I did when I was younger. Learn something that kind of engages your mind. Choose to give your thoughts direction. You know, Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, uh, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. It says, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So there's two things there. One is meditate on those things that are good. The other one is do them. Don't let your thought life lead you down paths you don't want to follow. That's ultimately what we're, we're talking about here. And all of these things, whether it's because of poor eating habits or not enough exercise or poor relationships, uh, lack of emotional regulation, you can allow your thoughts to lead you in directions that you do not want to go. Well, make choices about what you allow into your mind and be proactive about getting, giving yourself positive things to think about. Your choices, books, movies, music, uh, even friendships will fill your mind with something and your mind will find potential avenues to explore from in the middle of all of this stuff that you've packed it with. So choose wisely. Exert some self-control and discipline as you examine the choices that you have when it comes to books and to music and to movies and to friendships and to ways to to spend your time. Those choices make up a lot of what you think about. They make up the, the options that your mind has to explore. So give your mind good options to explore. You know, I said this the last show and maybe the one before that, but as I was thinking through this, really the question that I came up with, we all have to ask ourselves, not where will I be when I face the most difficult challenge in my life, but who will I be? And your thought life will have a lot to do with that. Well, thanks for joining me today. If you have thoughts or questions about your spiritual life, about your mental life, write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. I'd love to hear from you. You know, it's true. Our lives are complicated. Uh, We have trouble controlling our thought life, but God is using our thoughts, our trials to grow us. So until that great day, we see him face to face. 
keep running. <laughs>